Tonight, I'm pleased to welcome Haben Gurma, who will discuss how organizations that prioritize accessibility benefit by gaining access to a much larger user base, improving the experience for users with and without disabilities, and facilitating further innovation. The first deaf-blind person to graduate from Harvard Law School, Gurma is an advocate for equal opportunities for people with disabilities. President Obama named her a White House champion of change, and Forbes recognized her in Forbes 30 Under 30. Gurma travels the world, consulting and public speaking, teaching clients the benefits of fully accessible products and services. Her memoir will be published by Grand Central Publishing in 2019. She is also the recipient of the Aquarium's Glenn McIntyre Heritage Award, presented during this year's Festival of Human Abilities. It's my pleasure to welcome Haben Gurma. Good evening, everyone. I just took a minute to get settled in. I came up here with my guide dog, who's a small German Shepherd. There actually are small German Shepherds. <laughs> so she's next to me. And then also on stage is Gordon. As you heard, I'm deafblind. So I have limited vision and hearing. I can't see the audience, and I can't hear audience feedback. So public speaking is pretty easy. <laughs> I do like connecting with people. I want to be able to connect with the audience. So what I do is I find alternative ways to access information. And Gordon is typing on a QWERTY keyboard that's wirelessly connected to my Braille display. I'm holding it up. So it's a computer with a panel on the bottom with dots that pop up. And I run my fingers over the dots to feel them so that I can feel the letters. So Gordon is typing on a keyboard, and everything he types show up, shows up on Braille. So if people smile, he types it and he tells me. If people laugh, if people fall asleep, <laughs> I get to find out all about it. There are lots of ways to share information and connect with people. We also have an ASL interpreter on stage, right? Yeah, so that helps provide access, that helps provide sign language access for deaf individuals who use sign language. We all connect and communicate in lots of different ways. And access and inclusion is all about being open to all the different ways humans connect. My name is Haben. The name Haben comes from Eritrea. It's a small African country. Ethiopia borders to the south, and to the north is the Red Sea. My mother grew up during a war between Eritrea and Ethiopia. There was a lot of violence, a lot of fear. Schools and classrooms were a space for students to get together, share stories, and stories offer hope. Stories are powerful. 
Stories influence the organizations we build, the products we design, the futures we imagine for ourselves. My mother heard stories that America has the land of civil rights, the land of opportunities. And those stories inspired her to take the dangerous journey walking from Eritrea to Sudan. It took her about three weeks. She lived as a refugee for about 10 months in Sudan. Then a refugee organization helped her move to the United States. Several years later, older, wiser, she realized that it's not geography that creates justice. It's people that create justice. Communities create justice. All of us face the choice to accept oppression around us or advocate for justice. These are the stories I heard growing up, and they influenced me. So when I was in college, I'd ask myself, what can I do to make the world more accessible? What can I do to be the change I want to see in the world? I went to Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon. It's a small liberal arts school. It's a really great place if you want to be a pioneer. Lewis and Clark celebrates their pioneers. Their football team is called the Pioneers. Their newspaper is the Pioneer Log. Their bus is called the Pioneer Express. And it takes you to Pioneer Square. <laughs> so they love their Pioneers. The cafeteria serves as a central place for people to hang out, relax between classes. When you enter the room, there are three walls of large windows showcasing Portland's rain. <laughs> Along the fourth wall were food stations. Sighted students would walk in, browse a print menu, and then go to their station of choice. As a blind student, I couldn't read the menu. Not because of blindness. Disability is never the problem. So I went to the cafeteria manager and I explained, I can't access the menu because of the format of the menu. It's a print menu. But if you provide it in alternative formats, braille, accessible digital formats, if you email it to me, then I'll be able to access it using assistive technology. They told me they're too busy, that I should stop complaining and be more appreciative. Back then, I was a vegetarian. And it's really difficult to eat vegetarian if you don't know what the food options are. And again, I couldn't hear people in the cafeteria. So when I go up to the station, I can't hear what the server is saying. And I also can't read the print menu. Sometimes I'd wait in line for 20 minutes, only to discover they were serving hamburgers. It was really frustrating. For the first few months, I told myself, at least I have food. There are lots of people all over the world who struggle for food. Who am I to complain? At least I'm getting an education. I had access to all my books in Braille. I was, being, I was able to take classes in mathematics, computer science, sociology, anthropology. There are lots of people who struggle to gain access to an education. 
Who was I to complain? So I thought, maybe I should just tolerate the situation. And I talked to my friends, and they reminded me, it's my choice. It's our choice to tolerate unfairness or advocate for justice. All of us face this choice. The small things actually matter. If we want to shatter the glass ceiling, we need to address the small barriers. When we work on addressing the small barriers, we develop the skills to address bigger challenges. So I decided that I would address the lack of access to the cafeteria menu. And I did research. I learned about the Americans with Disabilities Act. I went back to the cafeteria manager and I explained, I'm not asking for a favor. I'm asking you to comply with the law. The Americans with Disabilities Act prohibits discrimination against people with disabilities. And restaurants and cafeteria, like that cafeteria, are required to provide access to people with disabilities. And if they don't provide access, then I'm going to sue. I actually had no idea how I would do that. <laughs> I was 19. I couldn't afford a lawyer. Now I know there are nonprofit law firms that will provide free legal services to people with disabilities. Now I know that one can file a complaint with the state or federal agencies that fight discrimination, like the Department of Justice. But back then, I didn't know any of that. All I knew is that I had to try. It's up to all of us to choose inclusion, to choose to advocate for justice. And I, and I made that choice. I had a dream of joining the civil rights movement. I had a dream of helping other people with disabilities, maybe even becoming a lawyer. I had a dream of eating that chocolate cake. <laughs> so after that conversation, the following day, the cafeteria manager came and apologized. And having framed the issue as a civil rights issue rather than active charity, changed the whole conversation in the cafeteria. And from then on, they started providing access to the menus. The following year, another blind student came to the college. He gained access to the menus. He didn't have to fight for access to the menus. And that made me realize that when I advocate for greater inclusion, it affects our entire community. And the small things do matter and make a difference in the long run for, it, for our entire community. So I decided to continue doing that. I prepared for law school. And in 2010, I was the first student to enter Harvard Law School. Harvard Law said they've never had a deafblind student before. I was the first deafblind student at Harvard Law School. And I told Harvard, I've never gone to Harvard Law School before. <laughs> Neither of us had the solutions, but we were open to figuring it out, open to exploring, open to discovering. And through having high expectations 
and using assistive technology, we pioneered our way. I graduated in 2013. Next slide. We have a photo from graduation. So we have a photo of Dean Minow handing me the diploma. We're both standing on stage wearing academic regalia. My guide dog, Maxine, is also on stage, and she's wearing a fancy fur coat. <laughs> what I just did is called image descriptions, and image descriptions help provide access to blind individuals. When we post images online, on social media, on websites, it's important to make sure they're accessible by providing image descriptions. And that way, more people can access our stories. There's a lots of different ways to be inclusive. Inclusion comes in many different forms. Next slide. We have a photo with President Obama standing at a table typing on a QWERTY keyboard. I'm on the other side of the table reading from a digital braille display. As he types, I'm able to read what he's saying. When I met President Obama, we explained that I'm deafblind and access words best through touch, through, through text. President Obama normally communicates by voice, but he gracefully switched from voicing to typing, which is inclusion which is access, being adaptive, being willing to change to make sure that everyone can connect. And when we choose inclusion, we role model inclusion for the rest of our community. People watch us, your family members, your colleagues. And when you choose inclusion, you role model that for them. And more people learn to be inclusive. So choose inclusion. It's a choice that we can all make. Communication occurs in many different forms. Next slide. I also use sign language. This is a video where a young man is signing. I have my hands over his hands so I can feel his signs. It's called tactile sign language. Disability can be seen in many different ways. And one way to see it is as, uh, is as an opportunity to create new solutions. The deaf community, deaf communities all over the world, deaf communities all over the world have developed sign languages. Sign language is a form of innovation. If you can't communicate through sound, you can develop a language to communicate through another channel, like visual or touch. So many different sign languages grew on different deaf communities around the world. In the United States, we have American Sign Language. In France, there's French Sign Language. Across the pond, there's a completely different language, and it makes no sense to me. They call it British Sign Language. <laughs> That's innovation. 
That's many different people coming together to develop a solution, to connect, to communicate. And it happens in many different forums. Next slide. We have a video of salsa dancing. And salsa is a form of communication. Salsa dancers have signals that are both tactile and visual. When people dance with me, they adapt some of those signals from visual to tactile so that I can feel the signals and engage and communicate in the dance. I have been denied access to some salsa dance communities because some communities don't choose to be inclusive. There was one dance community in DC when I arrived, they told me no guide dogs allowed. And I explained to them that the Americans with Disabilities Act prohibits discrimination against people with disabilities. And that includes denying access to service dogs. They didn't want to listen. And it was really frustrating. Eventually, another people gathered in the front door that they finally gave in and let us come in. It's frustrating when communities don't practice inclusion. It's really a choice. I can dance. My dog is trained. But some communities choose not to be inclusive. So it's a choice. And we can all choose to be inclusive and teach others in our communities so that discrimination doesn't happen. The aquarium here has done a lot of things to make exhibits accessible. And one thing I really like is touch pools and touch exhibits where people can feel and interact with different items. Next slide. We have a video of me experiencing the moon jellies and feeling the jellyfish. Also, uh, feeling the sharks, just the good ones. So touch exhibits allow people who want to interact with the world through touch gain access to information. It also benefits the non-disabled community because everybody learns in different ways. And when you present information in multiple different formats, you connect with more communities. You make your stories and educational materials accessible to more communities. So inclusion benefits all of us. Next slide. There are lots of reasons to choose inclusion. One reason is to increase your reach. Around the world, there are 1.3 billion people with disabilities. In the United States, it's 57 million Americans with disabilities. So when you make your stories accessible, you reach more people. Another reason is content discoverability. When you add image descriptions to images, you increase the text associated with your image. And image descriptions are texts that describe what's in the image. It helps individuals who are blind know the story behind the image. It also increases the text associated with your image, which means it increases keyword searches, search engine optimization. 
so more people, disabled and non-disabled, find your work, find your content. Captions are text added to videos and podcasts and radio programs that allow deaf individuals to access the audio content. That also increases content discoverability. So accessibility helps more people find your stories and increases your reach. It also drives innovation. Disability is an opportunity to find new ways to share information. There are lots of stories in our history. These stories are hidden though. Most people don't know about these stories. So I'll share some of them with you. In 1808, there were two Italian friends, one sighted, one blind. They wanted to exchange letters. Back then, if a blind person wanted to exchange a letter, they'd have to dictate the letter to someone else who would write it down for them. This was before email, before Braille. And these two friends didn't want to have to dictate their letters to someone else. They wanted their letters to stay secret. They were love letters. So they decided to see this as an opportunity to create something new. And they thought about it. Hmm, how can we write letters privately, independently, in a way that doesn't require sight. And they developed the first working typewriter. With a typewriter, if you memorize the layout of the keys, you can type letters without using sight. So it was a way for them to, it was a way for the blind countess to send letters to Tori her lover privately and independently and it was a form of innovation so disability is an opportunity to create new things there are more stories another one is from more recently Binge Surf is one of the fathers of the internet he's also deaf and his wife is also deaf and before the internet existed as we know it today, it was difficult for deaf individuals to communicate long distance. You could write letters. They'd take a while to arrive. Telephones were not accessible. And most hearing people used telephones. Bint Surf found that by sending messages through, by sending electronic messages, electronic mail, he could communicate without having to strain to hear. So he worked on one of the earliest email protocols. And nowadays, lots of different people use email. Email is a way for disabled and non-disabled communities to connect and share innovation. So disability, uh, to connect and share information. So disability is a form of innovation. It drives innovation. And when we choose to be inclusive, we can end up building the next big thing. Digital accessibility is a big area. More communities need to make their apps accessible, their websites accessible. Some people don't know exactly what digital accessibility looks like. 
and I'll help explain and provide some examples. For the blind community, screen readers are an important tool. And I'll show a short video that explains how screen readers work. Next slide. A screen reader is a program that converts graphical information to speech or digital braille. The screen reader on the iPhone is called VoiceOver. VoiceOver also works on the Mac, iPad, and the Apple Watch. So when I'm using my phone, I use VoiceOver. VoiceOver can speak out loud and send information to the digital braille display. News. Checking for new news. National Geographic, unread. World's largest rodents on lamb from Toronto Zoo. I'm panning right on the braille display using the advanced forward button. If I wanted to instead use hand gestures on the iPhone, I could flick right with one finger. To open an item, I can double tap anywhere on the screen. Text size, caption, title, with title, world's large title. After escaping from the High Park Zoo in Canada, two capybaras have eluded capture for by Jason Biddle. Published June 9, most people do their best to avoid rodents of unusual size. But after a pair of capybaras escaped from Toronto's High Park Zoo on May 12, alert. Gordon. Hi, I'm at the door sushi, pot of food, fish cake with swirl design. <laughs> My friend's at the door, so I'm just gonna let him know. Close. Button. Reply. Button. Messages notification. Hang. In. There. I'm. Almost. Done. With. This. Demo. Send. Button. VoiceOver has allowed me to access more information, news, mail, and messages. And it's also a way for me to know when friends are at the door. Thanks for watching. Bye. So that's an example of a screen reader. And screen readers, blind individuals have screen readers. And they can access apps and websites if those apps and websites are designed to be accessible. And guidelines exist to teach web developers how to make websites accessible. It's called the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. There's also guidelines for app developers. Apple and Android have accessibility guidelines. So when developers incorporate these accessibility guidelines into their apps and websites, then blind individuals can access that information and can engage with those stories. Captions allows deaf individuals to access the audio content in videos. When you make videos for social media, for websites, movies, make sure you also have captions so that deaf individuals can access them. Then there are assistive devices like the Braille display that I showed you. There are also switch controls, individuals with mobility disabilities. Everyone's different and uses different tools, but some individuals with limited mobility might use switch control, which helps them control their computers or phones uh, with, with just one flick or one movement.
These are some of the things that exist. There's plenty more, and there's more to be developed. So if we keep innovating, keep being thoughtful, keep seeing disability as an opportunity to create new things, we'll have even more ways to share our stories and make sure people can, that everyone, disabled and non-disabled, can learn about the ocean or the skies or all the other things we want to share with each other. It's all about being creative. Sometimes people make assumptions and they think, oh, someone with a disability would never want to do that. A blind person would never do this or a deaf person would never do that. Don't make assumptions. Strive to make everything accessible. I'll give an example. Several years ago, I went to China for the first time. And when I arrived in my hotel, I discovered a strange object in my hotel room. I felt it in my hand. I was trying to figure it out. It was very odd. It almost felt like a piece of fruit, but I never felt a fruit like that before. So I thought, hmm, should I taste it? <laughs> I was really curious to figure out what it was but not curious enough to bite into an unknown object. <laughs> so instead, I got out my phone, took a picture, and texted it to a friend asking, what is this? It was dragon fruit. Next slide. I discovered I like dragon fruit. You can imagine that a lot of people would assume that blind people would never use cameras, and therefore, why bother making a camera app accessible if blind people would never use cameras? Don't make assumptions. People with disabilities are innovative, will surprise you, will find new ways to use different products and different devices. Strive to make everything accessible. Don't make assumptions. Next slide. Planning for accessibility makes everything easier. If you plan for access from the start, you can have all the things in place to make sure it's accessible. Trying to make something accessible after you've already built it takes more time and resources. It would be like building a skyscraper without an elevator. And then after you've built the skyscraper, thinking, hmm, maybe we should add an elevator. That takes more time and resources. It's better to plan from the start. So plan for accessibility from the start. You can do surveys, talk with your communities, Talk with employees with disabilities, members of the community with disabilities. We are experts. We know what, ex what barriers work for what We know the solutions that work for us. And we are able to identify barriers. So engage with the disability community. There are lots of organizations in, the long, in, in Southern California to teach people about accessibility. There are also national organizations. So there's the American Council of the Blind, the National Federation of the Blind, 
National Association of the Deaf, lots of different organizations. So be sure to connect and engage with organizations to learn about accessibility. There are also guidelines online, like the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines or Apple and Android Accessibility Guidelines for apps to teach about digital accessibility. It starts by planning, asking good questions, connecting with people with disabilities, learning about the resources that are available. Also, just as importantly, when you choose inclusion, you role model it for others. Teach your colleagues and community members about accessibility so that everyone becomes an ambassador for accessibility. Next slide. So this is a fun video. It's the City Museum in St. Louis, Missouri. And when I arrived, I had no idea what to expect. So in this video, I'm climbing a four-story vertical obstacle course. It's like different ladders that zigzag in all different directions. I, I can't see the path. I can't hear my friend who's down on the ground filming. I'm on my own. And I'm not afraid of the unknown. I've, I've been raised with stories of refugees, and I went to a school that celebrates pioneers. When, when we celebrate exploring and don't, fear, and don't fear the unknown, we discover new things and create new opportunities. So I want to remind everyone, don't be afraid of the unknown. Explore, ask questions, and keep learning. Next slide. My name is Haben Gurma. My contact information is on the screen. My website is habengurma.com. Email address to reach us is contact.habengurma.com. And you could follow me at social media. My handles are my name at Habengurma.